You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Last week we uh, started, um, actually two weeks ago, we started a series on prayer, preparing for this time of prayer and fasting. And if you say this is the first time I heard about it, it's okay, it's not too late. Um, If you want to join in and, and remember This isn't um, an obligation. It's not mandatory. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity, okay? And so um, maybe you started off and you were fasting and maybe you you hit some hiccups. It's okay. It's okay. Because really, honestly, as we set our hearts apart just to meet with God, that that is really what I believe the, the, the purpose, the true purpose of fasting. And we're believing the Lord for a couple of things um, this year, things that I feel like the Lord has kind of deposited in my heart. And uh, I, I spoke this last week, but I want to give this to you again just to remind you that I believe that the Lord spoke to me and said this is going to be a year of renewal, a year of renewal in a couple of key areas. And so um, also I just uh, remembered, sorry, I, got, I actually didn't remember, I got told. Next week we are having baptisms. We've got one young lady who is... Um, she, oh man, you guys are going to love this. So we got baptisms next week. So if you want to be baptized, you haven't done that, sign up in the back um, and, and you can be a part of that as well. So this year, um, there's a couple of areas of renewal that I believe that the Lord has spoken and wants us to step in. And the first is this, is vision and direction, vision and direction. And some of us, you know, as I said last week, are looking for new vision, new direction for this year. And one thing that I feel like um, I've been kind of just meditating on and just um, trying to listen to the Lord is this. And I just want to offer this up to you. And this is kind of hand in hand with the 21 days of prayer and fasting that understanding your calling is just the beginning and a lot of us struggle in that place of saying, God, what do you want me to do? What have you called me to do? And just to clarify this, we understand that there are some corporate purposes, meaning this, that we are all called to carry the message of the kingdom, the gospel. We are all called to live that, to be ministers of reconciliation. The New Testament tells us that. We are all called to that. So that is one of your callings that you have. But we also believe that there are unique things, unique gifts that God has given each of you, and they manifest in different ways. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. Some of you have the gift of wisdom, administration. Some of you have the gift of um, prophecy. Some of you, there's various gifts that the Bible talks about. And some of you have these gifts, and they, of course, they manifest in different ways. You have, you have leanings on them. Like, for instance, my, my wife has a great gift of faith. And she has a leaning toward kids that are in need. So when we hit a project in this church, when we do an outreach, there's other people that have that gift. They get together, they talk about it. And because of that mashup of that gift, the faith, that that compassion comes together, we're able to see God do big things. Okay. But what I want to tell you about this vision and direction is this. Is that knowing this is just the first step. And some of you have felt a park on that, that, that direction and that gift, and here's why. is because in order for a gift to be fully manifest in our life, there has to be humility and obedience. There has to be character development. 
There has to be character development in our life. The Holy Spirit has to work out the things in our life. And what he does is he will launch the big things inside of us and invite us into a journey. And if I could say it like this, listen, the enemy is not scared of your calling. The enemy is not scared that you are called to something. That doesn't make hell tremble. That doesn't push back the forces of darkness. What scares the kingdom of darkness is when somebody stands up in their calling who is humble and obedient and the Holy Spirit is perfecting their character and they're going to go and do what God's called them to do. When that happens, heaven and earth begin to move. Does that make sense? So why am I telling you this? Is because in this time of 21 days of prayer and fasting, if some of you have felt the brakes pumped, don't get frustrated on your calling. Don't get frustrated. Don't be worried. Don't be scared. Don't think that God isn't calling you, but instead say, God, is there anything in me that I need to listen? I need to be obedient. If there's anything in me that needs to be refined, is there anything in me that you are developing and, 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 and correcting? Sometimes this is, this is some of the things that um, I think about when I think about the life of Joseph. So, so let's, let's talk about that for just a minute. And I'm only going to get as far as I'm going to get today, all right? I got notes, but I'm not, I'm going to look at them a little bit. We're just going to go with what we're going to do. Is that when Joseph, the Bible tells us this, that he went through this journey, this ordeal in his life where he was, and everything that happened to him actually out of the confession of his mouth was something that was done uh, to him he did not deserve. And it's true, he did not deserve it. From the time that he was uh, sold into slavery by his brothers, he did not deserve it. The only thing you can maybe look at Joseph and say, man, you had a big mouth. You just had a big mouth, Joseph. To the time he was in Potiphar's household, he didn't deserve that. To the time he was in prison, the cupbearer forgot about him. And there's two ways to look at this is that we can look at this and measure this in terms of an unfairness, or we can see it through the understanding of the development of what the Spirit was doing in Joseph's life. Because at the right time, God saw to make manifest the things that he spoke to Joseph when he was a young teenager. At the right time, he put him in front of Pharaoh. At the right time, Pharaoh had the dream. At the right time, God elevated Joseph. See, the thing about our calling is you can't force it to happen. It is held within the constraints of God's strength, his wisdom, his power, and his timing. And so if you don't see the fulfillment of what God has called you to, understand that there is something that is being refined. That does not mean that the plan has stopped. It means that it's being perfected. That's good. That's good. That's something we can ask the Lord about in these 21 days. Why? Because the perfecting of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us is as precious as the fulfillment of the calling. We have to learn to love that. The second area of renewal is this, is hope. It's hope. And I know that over the last few years, um, some of you, the enemy has attempted to steal hope. 
And so what we're believing for in the, setting the, the foundation of this year correctly in terms of renewal, and if you're dealing and you know that you need a renewal of hope, then in these 21 days you have the opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to restore hope, allow the Father to fight the battle for you and restore hope to you. And we believe that there's just going to be a radical, powerful revelation of hope just being restored. I believe that over every one of you. The third area is this is a renewal of faith. A renewal of faith. And I love this because this again is something that in particular that the Lord is stretching in my life. I believe that the Holy Spirit is asking us to launch out into deeper faith. To trust Him. To take bigger steps. Part of the other thing with vision and direction is sometimes it's go time, but we need to have faith to be able to go. And that's why that humility, that humbleness to be able to hear, to say, God, if there's anything you need to do, and then that obedience go hand in hand. So that when the Lord speaks, we go. When the Lord speaks, we go. To be able to have ears to hear, to be able to have eyes to see. That our mind is bound to the mind of Christ that our heart is able to receive. That faith might grow inside of us. Faith is a spiritual thing. It doesn't grow within the constraints of our natural understanding. This is so difficult sometimes for us to understand. Is that we, we want to see. We want to see. We want to know. We want the tangible. But faith calls us out into the unknown. And that's scary. And again, this is why this opportunity that we have, again, and it's not just for 21 days, it should be for every day, is to lean into the presence of the Lord, to be able to, to know Him, to, to know His leading, to trust His voice, so that when He calls us into faith, and He wants to call us into big faith, and I believe that there's a renewal of faith coming, that we'll be able to step out. The fourth area is this, a renewal of grace. And I believe this is because there has to be an understanding, a fresh revelation of grace that fills our life in order for us to be what we have been called to be, kingdom carriers, to carry the kingdom. And again, we're going to, in just a minute, we're going to go into the Lord's Prayer again and finish this up or try to go as far as we can. But one of the things that Jesus said is this, I want you to pray that my kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And, and sometimes we, we say that and we don't realize the magnitude of what we are saying. That when Jesus came to earth, that he established a new kingdom. A different kingdom. It was a kingdom that wasn't understood. And when we talk about the kingdom of God coming, what we're saying is that there is a mashup and an understanding between a, a spiritual kingdom that is being built inside of us. That, that when Jesus came, he did not come and establish an earthly kingdom. When we look at the scriptures and we understand them in context, one thing that we need to stop and really know and know and understand is that when Jesus came and he talked about the kingdom, the messianic picture of kingdom for the Jews was one that was going to liberate them from the oppression of Roman rule or the, the, the overlords of their life that was going to establish the kingdom in Jerusalem. But what Jesus did was different. It looked different, but it was more powerful. And what he did is he established the kingdom inside of us. 
that he gave permission through the covenant. And that's why when we come to the table, this down and not blow through this is because this covenant, anytime there is a kingdom established, there has to be a covenant. And this is to remind us of the covenant. And so at the cross, where his body was broken, the covenant was broken. And at the resurrection, the covenant was assured. And inside of us, the kingdom dwells. And friends, listen to this, because what will happen if there is not a renewal of grace is that we will default on the eternal, the spiritual kingdom, and begin to try to establish wrongfully the kingdom of God on earth when it's not the right thing to do. There will be a day where the earthly kingdom at the return of Jesus, will come and be established in Jerusalem. Do not worry. Do not be afraid. He will settle and rectify all things. That is the justice of God. But until that day, we are invited into this revelation to pray, oh God, would your kingdom come on earth? We're not just inviting that day when he returns. What we're saying is that will the covenant Will the Holy Spirit make alive inside of us through grace the understanding that the kingdom is inside of us, that we live different, that we act different, that we are in tune with the voice of Jesus, that we live and, and reflect the love of Jesus. And without grace, that is impossible. If I could just say it even more simple than this, is that some of us, because there is a lack of grace. You're fighting the wrong fights. You're fighting the wrong fights. You're looking at natural things and you're fighting the wrong fights. But when the revelation of grace comes, when the renewal of grace comes, the understanding of the kingdom inside of us comes along with that. All right, let's keep going. Everybody all right? Okay. So those four things, vision and direction, hope, faith, and grace. So Jesus, we're talking about here understanding how we are to pray. So I want to just go through here the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to read this to you in Matthew 6, 9, 10, 12, and 13. And Jesus said this, and then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we have forgiven our, de our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I want to talk just a little bit. We talked through why Jesus asked, them, asked us to call God Father and what that means. But we're going to drop down and talk about give us today our daily bread. If you missed last week, you can pick it up on podcast. And when Jesus said, give us today our daily bread, I believe there are several things about this principle that we need to understand. And it comes from two things. The understanding that he is the bread of life and the understanding that we have to abide in this to receive that. So in John 6, 32 and through 35, Jesus said this. 
He said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is the Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Jesus here is making a parallel to an event that happened in the Old Testament while the Israelites, the Hebrews, wandered in 40 years, for 40 years in the wilderness. Before they, after the exile from Egypt, before they entered into the promised land. And the scripture tells us this, is that God fed them through manna. And he's speaking here to the Jews who were listening to them, uh, to him speak. And he, he, he said this, he said, listen, your perception is this, that Moses gave you the bread from heaven. But I'm telling you that there is a bread that will never go old, that will never not satisfy you, that will always fulfill you. And I am the bread of life. A couple things about this manna that fell from heaven in the wilderness. Is that this manna tasted very good. The scripture tells us this, that it tasted like oil and honey, like a cake. As I was reading about this, I read this, that in Jewish tradition, that it's believed that as the Hebrews took the manna that would, would lay on the ground, what would happen is that they believed that the, the wind would sweep across the land. Because the question was, how did this maintain its purity? How did it stay sanitary? While it was on the ground, they would go and they'd pick it up from the ground. And the Holy Spirit, they believed, would sweep the ground. And then a dew would settle on the ground to seal the ground. And the manna would set on side of it as if it was being packaged for them. And as they pick it up and they ate it, that whatever they desired for it to taste like, it tasted like that. I believe that's very interesting. Could you imagine that? They didn't have Snickers back then, but I'm pretty sure that if it was me, I'd be like, oh, Lord, make this manna a Snickers. Make it a big, juicy steak, God. Make it taste like that. That's not the point. That's not the point. The point is this, is that when we pray, give us today our daily bread. God knows exactly what we need. It's not a one-size-fits-all, but what it is instead is the understanding, the revelation that you're coming before the Father, and He knows what you need even before you ask. That you're special to Him, that He cares about you. That Jesus, as the bread of life, does this, that He knows exactly what we need. But more importantly... This need that we have is not just our physical need. And this is why Jesus says this. Listen, when you go to pray at the very beginning, before he gives us the Lord's Prayer, you don't, you don't start with what you need because God knows what you need. So what are we to do when we ask him to give us our daily bread? What is he asking us to, to come into? What revelation, what principle is it? It's the understanding of saying, God, when we get into your presence, we know that there are things that we need that we don't even know. That we are not able to care for for ourselves. We know 
that we have needs that only you can satisfy and you can meet. God, would you begin to fill these needs inside of us? Would you begin to meet not just our physical needs, but would you begin to meet the needs of our soul? Maybe there's something that separates us from understanding the goodness of God. Maybe there's a broken area that sits in the the place of our soul, a wound that, that we need God to be our daily bread. And so when we take and we eat of the bread of life, when we take and we get in the presence of Jesus and we say, Jesus, would you supply me what I need? We're inviting him to go to those areas that maybe we don't quite know how to fix or we don't know that we need to get care there. And we're inviting his care in those places. So the second part of this principle, I believe, is this, is understanding that in order to receive our daily bread, that we must abide with him on a daily basis. In John 15, 4, Jesus says this, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus is giving an invitation to us there to remain in him, to remain in him. Even in the same way that the manna that God sent from heaven to the Hebrews, it only had a shelf life of one day. They were given exactly what they needed for that one day, the exact amount to fulfill them, to nourish them. There's been there's wonderful writings on the nutrient quality of manna, how God perfected that. and It was perfect. Science can't understand it. It just was because it was God's hand that did it. But that manna only had a shelf life of one day. And they understood that they couldn't hoard that stuff in their tent because it would get, it would get nasty. There would be maggots and just, it would get gross. It would go stale. And God told them, don't even try it. But instead, what I want you to do is that I want you to come out the new day. And so what is God reminding us of? Sure, the practical principle is this, that we got to come to him every day. Right? That's the first takeaway that we should all see. That yesterday's provision of understanding what it was to be in his presence, that was good for yesterday, but there's a new fresh thing for today. Friends, I want to tell you something. If you begin to get a hold of that and begin to live in that, it will radically change your relationship with Jesus. I promise you. If you begin to understand that every day there is a a fresh piece of heaven that God wants to deposit in you, a fresh thing that he wants to do, a fresh revelation of his love, But probably the more important takeaway in this understanding of being a daily bread is this. That we learn to uh, rely upon His provision. And what that speaks of in our life or what it should speak of in our life when we pray this, when we believe this, as we invite this, is this, is that I'm not able, God, only you are able. It pulls us out of self-reliancy. It pulls us out of the trap of being dependent upon our own wisdom. When I stop and I think about the last year and how many decisions I made, just in the strength of my own wisdom that backfired, it, it scared me. 
Now, I don't want you guys to think that God is speaking to me 24-7, but I'm telling you, I heard the Lord on this. Is that he invited me into two things this year before I said yes to anything. He said, Andy, I want you to ask me, and then I want you to ask your wife. Yeah, she's going to what? Uh Uh-oh. Why? Because we get too comfortable in self-provision. We get too comfortable in self-reliance. We get too comfortable using our own wisdom. We get too comfortable settling one of the devotions. That's another thing. Pause for just a second. Um, if you're not part of our 21-day devotional that we're doing through YouVersion, um, you go onto our Facebook. We'll send you the link. Get involved in that. You can jump in where you are. It doesn't matter. Just do it. It's good. But one of the devotionals in that was this. Was that we simply just get too reliant upon ourselves? That we settle instead Sometimes not for bad versus good, but sometimes for good and not best. And a lot of times in our life when we learn to rely upon our own provision, our own wisdom, our own resources, we become too self-reliant. It may not be that you're making bad decisions, but it could be that you're not making the best God decisions. And so when Jesus here invites us to abide in him, this is a provisional statement, meaning this, that if we do this, he is going to provide what we need. And when we begin to pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, give us today our daily bread, that we learn and begin to understand the joy of being reliant upon him, knowing the one who knows exactly what we need, inviting him to come and meet the needs that maybe we don't even understand or know but inviting that, you, allowing it to be fresh every day so that we begin to see the very best of what he's called us to do, seen in our life. I think in order for this to happen, what needs to take place is this, is that we have to make our confession reflect this truth. That this needs to be, again, even as Jesus taught here, part of our prayer life, our daily prayer life. And finding a delight in the presence of God, we begin to taste of that daily bread. Staying in the place where we yearn and long and wait for the presence of God. I found that in just this last week, after our prayer times, we meet up and we pray corporately. And it's so good. I just really, guys, it's it's so good. I want to invite just that one of the opportunities through this week. Just please come. If you can, please come. Because one of the prayers that we're praying is this, is God teach us how to pray. And I think sometimes, at least in my life, I'm not, I'm not comfortable waiting. I fill up a lot of the, 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 the time in prayer with my own words and I don't stop and listen and wait on the presence of God. And I think part of this idea of giving, asking God to give us our daily bread means this, is that we have to stop. That we have to stop and listen and wait. That we have to really be a people who truly hunger for his presence. You know what that's going to mean? It's going to mean this, is that some other things, in order to stop and wait on the presence of God and to be in the presence of God, to truly be in that place, then something else in your life is going to have to stop. You're going to have to sacrifice something else. 
But the invitation again that Jesus gives to be our daily bread is this. Is that the things that maybe we have been doing in our own strength. That we're going to park. That we're going to hiatus. That we're going to stop. To spend the time to be in the presence of God. That as we spend time in the presence of God. God is going to be able to make these things go better. Right? The next thing that Jesus said is this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Again, in line with the part of the, those four areas of renewal, I believe that a portion of our prayer life every day needs to be given to walking in a deeper revelation of grace. Here's the thing. Jesus understands that we're going to blow it. There's going to be times that you are going to fall short, that I'm going to fall short. But he invites us back into this place. And here's the reason why. As we understand the grace that's been given to us, we're able to, in turn, give grace back. And So the invitation to us is this, is that when we, when we stumble, when we make a mistake, is that we're quick to repent. We first John 1, 9, and we confess our sins. Why? Because he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That we don't stay in that place. We don't justify why we have done what we've done that, that has, has caused sin. We don't camp out on that. Instead, we repent of it. And here's why. I believe in particular for this portion of prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. is because offense and unforgiveness will always hinder our prayer life. When we're in a place of offense, when we have outstanding debts in our life and we are failing to forgive people who have sinned against us, then there is offense that is in us. There is unforgiveness that is in us. And these things will always hinder our prayer life. How? Because they block the revelation of grace, the understanding of who Jesus is inside of us that we need in order to grow. But I believe also along with this, there's two very significant things that God is contending for in our life as we pray this. And I, and I, can't, I can't stress how important these are and how they go hand in hand. And I'm going to try to explain these here. In Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 6, Paul writes this and says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body in one Spirit, just as you were called, in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Paul here is talking about the unity that comes horizontally and vertically that we must maintain in order to grow in the fullness of Christ. But if you listen to the words here, he's saying this, that in order to grow vertically, that your relationships horizontally have to be good. And our relationships horizontally cannot be good if grace is not flowing through us. 
If we are not living in the revelation of this portion of the Lord's Prayer, God, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. I want you to stop. Don't meditate it on, too long, on it too long. But think about any way you might have blown it this last week. Think about any person who has, or not person, or any way, any debt that you have against somebody. I'd be willing to bet that those things come in the form of a personal relationship. Something you said, something you did, a way you reacted, a way you responded. I bet if anything, if you're offended, you're offended because somebody did something to you. If there is a debt against you, it is because somebody did something, looked at you, didn't invite you, said something about you behind your back, whatever it is. That person might be sitting right beside you. <laughs> Come on, y'all wake up. So Paul here writes this in Ephesians 4. He writes this beautiful key and he says, listen, if we're going to live in the revelation of heaven, if we're going to honestly pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And, and I, want, I want to just back up, hit the reverse of this so we can come back to this point. I want you to see something very important. He says, there is one, verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is above all, who and through all, and in you all. What he is attesting to here is the truth that Jesus, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit are one. And they have called us into one family. He's talking about the unity of the Trinity. Now, why is that significant? Because they are in agreement. And in order for the fullness of heaven to be realized, in order for the resurrection to be fulfilled, the unity of heaven had to be lined up. And Paul writes this revelation. He says, I hope that you understand that when Jesus came to the earth, you saw God. I hope that you understand that the power of the resurrection, you saw the power of God. There is one Father. There is one God. There is one family. There is one body. And what he's speaking against is the divisions that were fracturing the church, that the enemy has tried to split. And when we understand that, here's what we need to see. It's this, that the objective of the enemy is to fragment unity. But the purpose of what Jesus taught us to pray was this. As we ask for forgiveness from our debts and we forgive our debtors, is to restore unity. Because we can't see the unity of heaven, the fullness of heaven come down if there is a fracture this way. That's good. Some of us are begging God to pour out his spirit to show us more and more. But, but you're, you're holding something up, up against somebody. You got an issue. There's something that you need to go back and you need to ask for forgiveness for. Why? Just why this out until you can't why no more, guys. I promise you, you'll grow. Because if we're fragmented as a body of Christ, what does that say about the unity of heaven? Ha <laughs> ha. Hmm. 
Mm. Mm. So in order for our debts to be forgiven, in order for us to forgive our debtors, grace must abound. Grace must abound. Grace must abound. We have to pray for that grace. We have to invite that grace. God, would you, would you show me, Lord, the things that I've done that have, have, have been off- offensive? God, will you show me the ways that I've dishonored you? God, would I be quick to repent? Would I be quick to confess my sin? Would I be quick to receive your restored righteousness, to receive your grace? God, if I have something, a debt that I'm holding against somebody else, Lord, would you help me to forgive? Would you help me to let it go? Lord, I don't need to leverage that against somebody. I don't need to hold that against somebody. As we do this, what we're asking God to do is begin to consecrate our hearts to pull us into this place of this deep understanding of grace. Now, why do we live in this unity? Why do we need to see the unity of heaven and have the unity vertically in our relationships? In 2 Corinthians 5, 16-21, I'm going to read another chunk of passage here, so we're going to wrap up with this. So, Justin, you can come on up, man. I'm going to invite you guys to come out tonight. It's going to be so good, guys. It's going to be so good. We're going to have some ministry time, some prayer time together. We're going to have some worship. Oh, it's going to be so good. In 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21, it says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God was, were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Again here, Paul writes a couple of key things that I want you to see. And this is the purpose of unity, that we would begin to reflect the kingdom of heaven, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, one of the greatest callings that we have in our life, we talk about vision and direction again corporately, we see this, that we all would be ambassadors, as Paul writes, of Christ. As though we were pleading through us, that we hold that message, that we speak as if Christ is speaking through us, be reconciled to God. But Paul writes this before and he says this very clearly. He said this, that, hey, in order to know what it means to be an ambassador for Christ, what we have to understand is this, is that we don't view people the way that we do through our natural eyes. And if there is a message of the kingdom, if there was a banner to be thrust over the kingdom that reflects the gospel, 
that sits inside of every one of us, it is this, that through Jesus Christ, he makes all things new. That through Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. That is the banner that sits over the kingdom. And Paul writes this and he says this. Listen, he compares something here. And I want you to see the magnitude of this. We don't look at anybody through the lens of the flesh. Even though at one time we saw Christ through that lens. But we no longer see him that way. And what Paul is writing, and he is saying this, the one who stamps on us, knights us, empowers us to be ministers of reconciliation, to carry the message of the gospel that in Jesus Christ, you are a new creation. He came to earth. He dwelt like us. He was fully man. But the message did not stop there. No, because he is the resurrection, because the power of the kingdom has been manifest through the resurrection, the message becomes this, that in Jesus Christ, the man who was God, the man who is both man and God, through the sacrifice, through the resurrection, all men can be made new. So no longer do we see people through the lens of what we see through the natural, but instead we see them through the lens of heaven. We see them through the lens of Christ because in Christ they are a new creation. So what does this do with grace? It's simple. You cannot live in the understanding of the message the theme of the kingdom, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if grace is not renewed and flowing in you to the place that you begin to see people the way that Jesus does. Have you ever stopped when you're in line at, your, at Starbucks, which nobody wants to stop when they're in line at Starbucks? But I dare you, the next time, have you ever stopped when you're at the gas station? Have you ever stopped when you're at the, getting your McBurger or wherever at the line? Wherever at the library, in school, have you ever stopped and earnestly looked at somebody and smiled? Not a weird smile, not a scary stare, stalker smile and stare. Look, don't do that. That's weird. But have you ever just looked and said, God, what do you think about this person? I dare you. I dare you. Because if you're inviting grace to flow and you got this right and you're saying, God, uh uh-uh, if I sinned against you, I am sorry. I confess. I repent. And if there's a debt, I'm letting it go. Hey, uh uh-uh, we're good. No longer. You're not holding this hostage anymore. I forgive you. I forgive you. I love you. I love you. I forgive you. Then the unity of heaven begins to flow. And we can invite the message of the kingdom. In Jesus Christ, all is made new. In Jesus Christ, you can be a new creation. God, what do you see with this person? What do you see with this person? Ooh, what do you see with this person? 
God, what do you see with my children? Lord, what do you see with my spouse? Lord, what do you see with my boss, with my coworkers? Would you give us eyes to see? Sometimes we just pass through this, don't we? Sometimes we just pass through this idea, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And we miss the unity of heaven. Because friends, you don't start a prayer off, our Father, Dad. I said this last Sunday. Jesus threw a straight fastball, like almost like a 100-mile-hour fastball right down the middle, Justin Verlander style. In 2017, when we won the World Series. 2019, not so much. Giving you guys a little reprieve to laugh, all right? When he said, Father, because here's what he said. Nobody dared approach God as Father. It was too informal. But he said, not no more. He looked in even before he said that. He said, you see, you see the hypocrites. They, they stand and when they pray, or they're on the street corners when they pray, and there are two times of prayer that that, that might happen. One would be during the, the Sabbath when they might be invited up to the front in front of the ark to pray. And they would, they would prostrate themselves like this. They would rock back and forth, and they would pray loud. They'd use extensive words, and they would be inflated and pious. And the second time were during the three times of prayer. And there was a morning prayer, a noon prayer, and an evening prayer. And they would stand on the street corners. They would find a place where they could be seen and they would stand up and they would rock back and forth and they would use important words. And he said, listen, that's what you see and that's what your mindset of prayer is. But you got to understand, that doesn't impress me. I'm going to show you how much that doesn't impress me. And here's the truth, that those people, they, they should really enjoy it because they've received their full reward. There's no reward for that in heaven. Prayer isn't about how many words you know and your spiritual language and how spiritually mature you are. It is about a relationship. Now, we've all heard that said before, but Jesus seals the deal at the first line. He said, when you pray, I want you not to pray in Yahweh, El Shaddai, El. I don't want you to pray in Almighty. I don't want you to pray in the eternal God. What I want you to do is to approach the eternal, sacred, almighty God with Father. I want you to come to Him because He loves you. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be our name. Though we stand before the Father, though we're invited into this beautiful relationship, you are holy. We pray. May your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Friends, we can't pray the kingdom into our lives and grace not abound. We can't pray the revelation of heaven, the kingdom of God inside of us. If Jesus was simply making a theological statement about the future kingdom that was to come, because it certainly was not about the earthly kingdom that he was establishing then.
But he was inviting us in to see with fresh eyes, to have our eyes open, have our ears open, to have our heart open, to have our mind open, that we might see through Jesus the glory of heaven. And when we jump down to this, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, he's not simply asking us to rattle off and make sure we've checked all the boxes. Instead, he's inviting us into this grace so that the unity of heaven can flow. Let's pray. Should you just bow your heads? If you want, you don't have to. Close your eyes. You, won't, you can if you want to. Make a sacred space. Still your heart. Don't look at your phone. Don't mess with your Bible. Don't push your notes around. Be still. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Yes, we invite you, Lord. We hunger for you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Father, I just pray, Lord, today, as we come to you, that you've given us the privilege of coming to you as Father. And so we just simply ask you today, O bread of life, Jesus, would you come and give us what we need? Would you come and would you fill us? Lord, there's areas of our life that we don't even, maybe we know, but we don't know how to fix, or we don't even know that we need your care. God, we lay down our physical or material needs. We, we push them to the side. God, you know about those. But we're asking you, Lord, to be our daily bread in the area of our soul. Lord, whether that's direction for this new year, whether that's restored hope, that's greater grace, that's forgiveness, that's healing, in our physical body or maybe the seat of our emotions, God, there's been a wound that's taken place. We invite you. We invite you. Oh, bread of life, you know what we need. You know what we need. We invite you to come. Move in us. Supply us with your presence. Do what only you can do. Reassure us. Heal us. Cleanse us. Lord, we repent of the ways that we have sinned against you. We acknowledge those things, Lord. And we thank you for repentance, God. We thank you for repentance. Lord, the ways that maybe we've dishonored you by the way we've reacted or spoken to people. The things that we've done. Maybe just even simply in the sense that we've ignored your leading. Lord, we repent. We thank you, Lord, that you're faithful. You're faithful. You're not like us, God. You're good. You're not like us, Lord. You're rich in mercy. You are not like us, oh Lord. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for cleansing us.
Thank you for reestablishing and restoring your thoughts, the truth of your righteousness to us. Help us, O oh Lord, to stay in that place, to abide in you, to abide in you. Lord, we're sorry where maybe we've gotten too comfortable with yesterday's provision or last week's provision or five years ago provision or 10 years ago or 15 years ago, God. But Lord, we're hungry for a fresh provision, provision from you. And we thank you that you are faithful to be our daily bread. We desire to abide in you. Lord, we just ask, God, that you would begin to heal us in any way that we need healing, Lord, in our horizontal relationships. So that we would know and understand the unity of heaven inside of us, God, and help us to be in unity one with another. Where there's been wounds, words, spoken things, unspoken things. Oh, God, help us to forgive. Help us to release. Help us to understand that we don't understand how to make that right. That our justice fails completely in light of your mercy. And would you come in, would you begin to help us to forgive, to release, to heal, to mend, to make whole? Cleanse us, Lord. When we've stepped out in our own strength, in our own wisdom, Lord, cleanse us. Forgive us. We trust you, God, your provision. Now, Father, I pray right now that you would just begin to speak hope and life inside of every person. Lord, that the revelation of grace would begin to fill us, begin to flow out of us. Lord, for marriages, let grace flow. Let there be healing. Let words of reconciliation, let hearts be turned now in Jesus' name. Lord, between parents and children, let there be healing. Let grace flow. Let words of reconciliation, words of life begin to be spoken. Lord, let grace flow through us as we see, Lord, the world that we don't, Look at them through the lens of what we see in our natural eyes. But God, we would stop. We would be patient. We would wait. We would listen to what you're saying, God. That we would hear and that we would see through the lens of grace. And speak that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?